Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Man, that guy is our new youth pastor. That's exciting. And uh, very, very excited about that. By the way, he's going to be communicating to you guys. If you want to get involved in youth ministry, we need a team. We need a leadership team. We need a support team. And uh, most importantly, parents involved in uh, the youth ministry as well. So very, very excited about that. There's so many things going on. I'm going to talk about uh, many of them in just a moment, but, uh, or a couple of them in just a moment. But the first thing I want to do is pray and pray for Ukraine. Um, I, I hurt for people, parents, families that are going through a tragic war. And we just want to pray right now that the power of the Holy Spirit would somehow uh, move on, on uh, Russia, move on Ukraine, and, um, and somehow see the glory of God move in this situation. Father God, we just lift up Ukraine. We lift up the people, Lord, who are um, adversely affected by this war. And Lord, I, I don't understand all the ramifications and issues and circumstances, but God, you know that you, you desire to see peace in our, in our world. You desire to see people love you and worship you and, and be touched by you. And God, I, I, I just pray right now that you protect the hearts and lives of people in Ukraine and even in Russia. I pray, Father, for the power of your Holy Spirit to move in such a way that you would intervene and create peace instead of war, that there would be some miraculous intervention, God, to bring hope and health and wholeness to this area of the world. Yeah, we realize that there is evil in our world, and we pray that you would strike evil down in the name of Jesus, and that you would bring hope and, 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 and the gospel to this situation and circumstance some way, somehow, Lord. And we just pray for you to uh, thwart the evil one and that you bring glory to your name in Ukraine and Russia and everywhere around the world. But in this place specifically, God, we pray for comfort and strength for the Ukrainian people in Jesus' name, amen. 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 I want to remind you, uh, if you didn't receive an email this last week, um, just encourage you, if, uh, immediately following the service, we're just going to have a brief meeting to give you a financial update about the church, let you ask any questions you may have, and uh, just celebrate some things that God's doing that uh, are very, very exciting as it relates to uh, our finances and our future. So I'm very excited about that. And so immediately following the service, we'll have that meeting, and you're invited. All right? Um, 40 miles of prayer. I want to take just a few moments to talk about that. This is this T-shirt that uh, you'll be able to purchase if you'd like or donate to. Um, $5 next week. We'll have all the shirts available for everyone if you'd like one. And uh, it's just 40 miles of prayer. It's just as simple as that. Now, here's what this is all about. What I, what I love about this is that it lines up with all of our values as a church. One of our values is to be outside the church more than we're inside of it because we're here to enter into the journeys of those who uh, have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness. Amen? And so we want to be outside the building. We want to be in our communities. And so what we are going to ask starting March the 8th is for everyone to start walking a mile every day, praying a mile every day, and walk your community and as you do, you're going you're gonna to be given one of these things. It's a, just a, a little uh, set of pamphlets. Each pamphlet has um, <clears throat> a, 
each day of the week, uh, day one through seven in this case. Uh, during this, this week's miles of prayer, I prayed for, and you can write down who you prayed for. I met my neighbor. I invited so-and-so to church. I see a need, and you write the address down or the need down, and you, that way you start chronicling the effects of your prayer walk. On the back, it says, what I heard God say. And so, um, and we have that for all 40 days. Every day you walk a mile. And as you walk those miles, you are praying for your neighbors. You're praying for your community. You're praying that God would plow the ground for the gospel to make its way into the hearts and lives of everyone in your community. What I encourage you to do is get a shirt, wear the shirt every day going to be really smelly by the time the 40 days are over. <clears throat> no, I'm just kidding. I'm sure you'll wash it. But um, we just want to be our presence known. We don't want you knocking on doors and doing all the, the, the crazy stuff sometimes. But if God opens a door or if God leads you to a door, that's great. But if God opens a door to have a conversation with the neighbor, uh, try and pick a busy time when people are coming home from work or people are walking themselves or whatever the case. Don't try and pick two o'clock in the morning. No one's going to be out. And if anybody is out, there's a good chance you're going to be mugged. And so you got to be careful. But for 40 days, one mile a day, 40 miles. Now, if we were to multiply the amount of miles that could be walked, and more importantly, the time that will be spent prayed for, we will see God begin to move. I'm convinced that this is a unique idea for something for us to do to get into our neighbor's uh, our neighborhoods and make a difference. And so I'm encouraged. So we want you to meet your neighbors. We want to see needs that might need to be met. And maybe you, you say this yard needs to be mowed or some weeds need to be pulled and you can pull a crew together and make a difference there. Um, we can give you journey care shirts as well and you could uh, uh, make that happen. But I'm very, very excited. We end on April the, the, the 16th and on the 17th is Easter. So we, we're going right up to Saturday before um, Easter, and then on Sunday we have Easter, and this is an opportunity for you to invite your friends, your family, your, your co-workers, um, your neighbors, who, wherever you're walking, to Easter service. It'd be amazing to pack this place out and just have a great Easter Sunday, and, and so we're going to walk right into Easter after praying for 40 miles a day. Every mile, the average mile, depending on who you are, takes about 22 minutes to walk takes about 22 minutes if you're, if you're slow, if you're fast, if you, and you walk a little bit with the wiggle, um, <clears throat> then maybe 15 minutes. But uh, there's 15 to 22 minutes. That's all it takes. Praying for your neighbors, praying for each address that you walk by, all those kinds of things, 40 miles of prayer starts on March 8th. Okay, so next week we'll have t-shirts available to you. We'll have these all available to you. And um, <clears throat> we will have a great experience uh, walking 40 miles and we've even talked about putting as many stickers of feet on the wall as we possibly can of the amount of miles that we've walked so we may do that we're not sure yet but we may do that and uh, as many miles as gets walked we'll put all the feet up there and and see how many miles uh, actually happens so very very excited about that Are you with me Amen. you with the vision the vision is to pray the vision is to pray the vision is to pray for our neighborhoods and uh, make an impact and see what God does as we walk 40 miles um, through our neighbors. I, I think that's going to be amazing. We've been in a series called Why Not Us? Why not us? Why not Journey Church? Why not you? Why not me? 
be a part of something that goes bigger and greater than we can imagine. The whole series has been all about realizing that we must believe that God can do anything through us. That there's not one person in this room that God can't use, that God won't use, that God will use if we are willing to yield our lives to whatever he wants. God's work is not reserved for the special, the talented, or the extra gifted. It is available to the available, not just the able. And so as long as we put our hearts out there, he's going to, going to use those hearts. Our vision is not about addressing the condition of our world. And our world right now is a crazy place. It's about the condition of man's heart. That's what Jesus came to address. That's what Jesus came to solve the problem. The, the, the Jewish people kept, continued to ask him, God, when, Jesus, when are you going to take over the kingdom? When's your kingdom going to arrive so that we can get rid of the Romans and all, you can be in charge? And Jesus said, uh, this different kind of kingship, different kind of rulership. I want your heart. I don't care about the politics. It, I'm not saying he didn't care about politics. I'm just saying he didn't put that as the first priority. The conditions of man's heart is the issue. The, savior, the saving of a soul is why Jesus came to this planet, why he died on a cross, why he rose again, and why you and me have hope and eternal life because of him. Through this series, we've talked about the, the why not us concepts of um, God fights our battles. So we don't have to go into a battle thinking, oh, it's all up to me. It's all up to me. Not that, that'll fail quick. That'll stress you out quick. That'll just make you feel like, oh boy, this is never going to work. And, well, unless you believe in yourself. But um, <clears throat> it's not all up to us. It's up to God. God fights our battles. We talked about no need to go big. We just need to go. Too often we think we have to do this big bang thing when in reality we just need to be faithful and do whatever God puts in front of us. We've talked about let's uh, let go of the past and press forward to the future. If we hold on to the past, we're going to stay there. That's not God's goal. That's not God's plan. Pastor Dwayne talked about that. And we talked about don't wait for the perfect moment because there isn't one. We're imperfect people. We're in an imperfect world. And we, we hang out with imperfect people. Look at your neighbor and say, you're an imperfect person. Okay, and if you're stressing out in marriage, don't say that right now. Maybe it's too late. But there isn't a perfect moment, and so we need to be what Jesus did is he brought himself into imperfect moments and made them better. He was the perfect. If we bring Jesus into the situations, they will get better. And then last week we talked about get out of the rut, that long, thin, narrow grave. Let's live a faith-filled life. Let's live a, a life of risk and faith rather than a life of rut living. And this week, I want to talk about how comparison kills. Comparison kills. This week, I went through a, a, a unique experience as a pastor of confused about what to speak on. I had a completely different direction I, was, I thought I needed to go, and I was, I was praying, and I just never got comfortable with the concept that I was going to go with. And then I felt like the Lord said, um, I need to speak on this particular issue because... 
As a church, if we compare ourselves to other churches, we compare ourselves to other people, I compare myself to other pastors, we compare, and it's not that we can't learn from other things, but there's a difference between learning from other things and trying to become something that you're not. So comparison kills. I call this the wannabe syndrome. I want to be. I want to be. And, and as soon as, you know, I was telling Cole this morning, I said, Cole, if I tried to grow hair like yours, which is really cool, I'd look like a quail. <laughs> I'd just stick up right in the middle here, you know, my forehead's gotten a lot bigger, I'd look like this, boop, you know, and, you know, it, it, it'd just look like a quail. It wouldn't be good. It, if I had that wannabe syndrome where I just want to be so cool like Cole, it wouldn't work for me. There's two sides of the wannabe syndrome. There's the pride side that says, I love who I am and everybody should be like me. Okay, and not too many people actually have that pride side. There's some that think that they're all that and a bag of chips and you should, you should a bag of Fritos, Doritos, whatever you think you are. And you think you're the best thing since sliced bread. And the reality is you just are prideful and you think everybody else should be like you. That's dangerous. And then there's the other side of the wannabe syndrome, which is I have this poor self-image about myself. I don't like who I am, and I want to be like somebody else. And that's the wannabe syndrome. And so you either want to be like me, and I think you should be like me, or it's the other side, that's the pride side, or it's the, 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 the poor self-image of uh, I want to be like you. Now let me ask you a question. In the, in the world today, what's more valuable, the original or the copy? Yeah, yeah, I could drop the mic right now. Because the, the reality is, you are an original. Look at your neighbor and say, you are an original. <laughs> now appreciate that original, right? I mean, it's... Look at, look at yourself and say, I am an original. I'm not a copy. I'm not a, a, a photocopy of something else or somebody else. And if there's anything that we are a copy of, it's the image of God. From the very beginning of time, God said, I'm going to create in my image man and woman. And there's a whole theological explanation of that that I, I won't take time to deal with, but too often, we kind of look at our image and we, we've allowed the world to define what we should be, look like, act like, sound like, feel like, marry like, whatever the case may be. And so, we, we, you know, cool clothes, hip hair, money, trendy talk. Uh, I used to, when I was a youth pastor, I would ask kids to um, tell me what the cool talk was. And at the time, there were words like stupid, dope, fly. Um, and so I'd, I'd always mess it up. And I'd say, you're so stupid, dope, fly. You're fly, dope, stupid. You're, you're fly, stupid, dope. You know, and, and, you know, and I'd use all these languages that are supposed to be cool. And they'd just say, Pastor, don't, don't do that. <laughs> kind of in the adult world, we have this money status thing. In the adult world, we, we think that we need to have a certain amount of money to be who we should be. We have the right car, the right home, the right vacation spot. We have the right toys. We have the right, all the right stuff. And we sometimes compare ourselves to whoever might be your money idol or your 
possession idol or your home idol or whatever the case may be. You might have yourself kind of stuck in that place where you're like, I want to be this and I'm trying to, I'm scraping and scrapping to get there so I can be like something or somebody. Social media has become one of the greatest uh, places of creating an image and you can be anything on social media and there are very few people who will test you to try and see if you're really who you say you are. You can put up your own, your own brand is in, in the, the popular uh, thing for everyone on social media now is to brand yourself and, and put yourself out there as some kind of image so that people will buy into you. And that's a dangerous place to be. We are, we are not social media. It's okay to have social media. It's okay to brand, but it's not okay to make that your image. Let me ask this question. Who are you? Could you answer that question today? Who are you? Who are you meant to be? Who are you designed to be? Who are you intended to be? Because that is exactly the way God wants us. Here, this, is, this, this statement is rocking my world. God wants to use who you actually are to reveal who he actually is. Listen to that. Take a picture of it. Copy it down. Write it on your forehead. Get a tattoo. Whatever it takes. God wants to use who you actually are to reveal who he actually is. Because the original us has the imprint of the image of God. The copy, the photocopy, the mimicking, the imitation, the whatever you want to call it, the, 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 um, the, the remodel, if you will, whatever it is, the original us is what is valuable to the kingdom. The original us is what is going to help us do great things for God. We have a, a philosophy here that we don't adopt, we adapt. When we learn from another church or we learn from another person or another pastor, another children's pastor, another media person, we don't just adopt everything they have because we're not, we're not here to run a church that's running in North Carolina. That doesn't work. We're here to uh, lead a church and to build a church and to create a church that is for Ventura and Ventura County. And if we're not like what, need, what the needs are here, then we miss it by trying to replicate North Carolina here. It doesn't work. If you have a, a, a person in your life that you admire and you, you want to model your life after, which I think is great if you have a mentor, you have somebody that you like the principles that they live by, that's good. That's not bad. But if you're starting to mimic or imitate or mock them in, in the sense of trying to repeat what they have, and you're just adopting what they do rather than adapting it to you, then you have a challenge that you're facing, and you're not being the actual person you are. So let's look at this from a scriptural standpoint. Jeremiah 1.5 says this, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now he's talking to Jeremiah, and he's telling Jeremiah, Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I, before you were born, I set you apart. This is how much God knows us even before we are born. There's a design. There's an intent. There's an intentionality. You are no mistake 
There's no such thing as an illegitimate child in our world today. There's no such thing because God knows every, every child, every uh, con- conception that occurs, God has a plan for that child. And as a result, if we don't recognize that design, then we devalue our own life as well as the lives of others. And so we have to put into this idea, and we have to get this idea in our heads that we are on purpose. That every person in this room, everybody with a brain in between their ears, and that hopefully is everybody, has an intent has a design, has a plan that God has made you for. And we have to discover that plan. We have to discover who we are. If you can't answer the question, who are you? Then that, I would put that on the priority list. I wouldn't put the priority list on, let's just let the world do what it wants with me and I'll become whatever I need to be and I'll ad- adapt or adopt to, to the world. No, we need to Uh, Find out our design. We need to find out who we are. And and when we do that, our purpose, our value, everything becomes clearer and clearer. And all of a sudden we can function in this place that God has designed us for. I'm going to look at a a passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians 12, but I want to give you the context of Corinthians. The context of this, this book is that um, Paul, the apostle, is writing to this church in Corinth. It's a church that he started. And this church has gone crazy. I mean, crazy in the bad sense. There's a saying that ch- churches are really amazing when they're working well, and churches are really not amazing when they're not working well. Well, this would be one of those not amazing churches because in this church, there was incest that was accepted. There was selfishness, a drunk. You could go to communion and get drunk and get full on the communion elements, not leaving enough for everybody to share. Now here, you're just going to get a stomach ache because you just have grape juice. But there, they were getting drunk on the communion. They had all kinds of weird marriage issues. They had church discipline issues. They had broken relationships that needed forgiving. And if that forgiveness was not happening in the church, then that, that, that forgiveness was becoming a, 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 a cancer. Or that lack of forgiveness was becoming a cancer in the church. There was spiritual pride and idolatry of the gifts of the Spirit, which was really dangerous. There's all kinds of crazy stuff going on in this church. And the reason that Paul is writing what we're going to read about is because he wanted to bring health to this unhealthy experience that they're having. And one of those things was comparison. One of those things was the pride that comes with saying, you need to be like me or I want to be like you. It was completely everything we're talking about right now. So what In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, it says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all all its parts uh, form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So you can see what Paul's trying to address in this broken church. He's saying, you guys are splintered. You're all, you're pulling yourselves apart. You have all these body parts everywhere. 
And everybody's claiming to be the, the best and the biggest or everybody wants to be the other part of the body. And there's a problem. What, what happens when everybody wants to be one person, when we want to all sing like Leanna? Well, it would sound very beautiful. <laughs> but we would all want to come up here on stage and nobody would be out here worshiping and there would be other functions that aren't happening because everybody's thinking they're the worship leader. And that's not the way it works. There's many parts, but one body. Many parts. It, there's as many parts as there are people in this room right now. And there are more parts that could join the body that just makes the body stronger. It's like this bodybuilder, right? You, you, you have all the parts, but you're not very strong. And so when, you, when, you, when, you're, when you're limited, you need to work those out and you need to grow those things. And when you grow those things, then the capacity, the strength is there. And that's what happens in a church. And pretty soon you have a big production team. Pretty soon you have a, a, a big greeting team that just makes greeting amazing experience like we could never make before because we have more people involved. That's why I believe there should be 100% participation in every church of, of service because as soon as one person says no to serving and being involved in the body of Christ, fulfilling their role, whatever that role is, as soon as that happens, then we're debilitated to some degree. Because not everybody is playing their part in the body of Christ. It makes more sense as we go on. It says this. It says in verse 15, it says, Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. So what is that? So the hand is saying, I, I want to be a foot. What? No, no, no. The foot is saying, I want to be a hand. I'm sorry. The foot is saying, I want to be a hand. So the foot is saying, I want to be a hand, and as a result, you might think you're, you're, you want to be a hand, and therefore you don't, the body doesn't need a hand, so I'm not needed there. But what you need to realize is you're probably a foot. But this is that comparison thing, because I'm, uh, look at the hand. The hand gets all this out here. The foot's way down here. No, the foot never gets noticed. But the hands are always out here doing things, and they're always picking things up. And, and you do those with the foot, and it's just weird. And my wife picks up things with her feet and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, ooh, that's gross. I'll never touch that thing again. <clears throat> but the hand, you know, the hand gets all the attention. And, and that's the, the admiration or the, the comparison that kills because it stops us from wanting to do really what our purpose is is to help us get around, because without feet, there's, it's hard to move. Without feet, it's hard to get around. Without, without feet, it's hard to make the, the moves that you want to make, and we've got to have feet. Without toes, the big toe, did you know the big toe is the biggest part of your balance? You lose that toe, you're going, whoa. You lose your pinky toe, eh. You lose your big toe, you're, eh. You're struggling. I don't like feet at all. If you know anything about me, I'd be, I'm even gagging just talking about it. <laughs> Verse 16, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? There's something missing if, if one of us just says, I don't want to be who I am. 
It's dangerous. It's, it's, the, it's the scramble for significance. We, we, we get the, the idea that what is noticed is more important than what goes unnoticed, but that's not true. There's people that come either Tuesday or Thursdays and vacuum this room, volunteer to vacuum this room. What, we, what you don't see because it's a little darker is awesome because people just keep it clean and nice and it's a beautiful room. The unseen thing might not seem all that glamorous, but it really is important. It's really valuable. Verse 18 says, but in fact, God has placed. If you do anything, highlight this in your, in your phone or in your Bible, how, whatever you need to do. God has placed, not Pastor Ricardo, not you, not, not anybody else, but God places people where they belong. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Let's remind ourselves. God wants to use who we actually are to reveal who he actually is. When we're in our place, when we're doing our thing, when we're functioning as the, the body of Christ, then we are enabling God. We are, God is using us to show himself to others. And that's beautiful. There's something amazing when the church is working together, going in the same place, going in the same direction, all together in one body. It's really dangerous when our bodies decide to go in different directions. Have you ever had that happen where this arm wants to go that way and this arm wants to go that way? It's silly looking, it's funky looking, it's weird. And quite often churches have different visions and different directions because there's no central vision. And that's what causes the arms and legs to want to go different directions. But when there's one common vision, it's powerful. It's powerful. God did not design us for comfort, but for a cause. Yeah? God did not design us for comfort, for, but for a cause. We aren't here just to get happy and, and experience life in a happy way. And happiness comes with a cause, by the way. There's so many good things that God is doing here at Journey. It's worth celebrating and seeing God move us forward. It's exciting. So in verse 21, it says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. This is the pride person. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. So everybody has a place. Everybody has a function. There's all kinds of, of, of diversity that happens in the body of Christ. And it's very, very cool because everybody here has a different gift. Everybody here has a different uh, opportunity to serve in a different way. It's, it's powerful. It goes on to say, but God has put the body together. Can you say that with me? But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for each other. Equal concern for each other. That means that because there's differences and there's different parts that get different levels of attention, but we have equal concern for each other. There's no hierarchy. 
because I stand on the stage or anybody else stands on the stage or, or, or whatever the role may be, doesn't make us any more special than anybody else in the room. Because every part matters. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. We celebrate each, each, each person's successes. We, we mourn with those that, lo- that have lost. We, we go through the life together. It's the beauty of groups. It's the beauty of ministry together. It's the beauty of doing life together. Is that we share life as one. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Now you are the body of Christ. He's speaking to you and me. He's speaking to the Corinthian church. And he's telling that church, he's saying, hey, listen, stop the comparison. Stop the denial of gifts of others and start embracing each other because God has put us in the, in the same place at the same time, in the same building, together to accomplish the same cause. That's the beauty. Why does comparison kill? Because you don't, you shouldn't ever want to be like me. Because you are enough. God has made you unique. God has made you special. God has made you significant. God has made you valuable. Everything that you need is in you. In the name of Jesus Christ. And when we embrace that reality, we go, oh man, how that frees us up. How that frees us up. I, I went through this personally as a pastor. And, and I think every pastor goes through it when they're starting, when they're learning, when they're trying to, to become whatever. You, you look at the popular guys out there and you look at the popular gals out there and you say, ah, man, I just, if I could just be like them. If I could just have a church like them. If I could have all these little things that are like them. And I learned early on that it doesn't work. When you start imitating things that aren't the vision for where you're at, when you start trying to be like someone that you're not, it's, it's scary. There were times where I'd come home and my wife was like, what was that? That wasn't you. Just be you, Ricardo. And it was the best encouragement because I needed to understand that I have, I'm designed my way. Not my way, but God's way. And I'm designed to be who I am. And in, in that, God somehow works. Now, can I learn from others and can I understand how the, the, the nuances of, of different ways of leading and all those kinds of things are? Absolutely. Are there principles I need to grasp and understand? For sure. But when I start imitating, when I start trying to be like somebody I'm not, then it gets really ugly and messy and it looks foolish. and You end up looking like it's quail. <laughs> it just doesn't work. God wants to use who you actually are to reveal who he actually is. I love that statement. We need to live that as a church. We need to live that as a church. We do things a little bit differently here. I get it. I get it. We're asking people to go into their communities and walk for a mile a day for 40 days. I've never seen anybody do that yet. I've heard of prayer walks, all that, but this is new. This is different. I like it. It's us. 
Because we want to be in our communities. We want to enter the journeys of those who have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness. That's the exciting part of what we're involved in. That's who we are. We are a neighborhood church. We are a church that is about the community. We're a church that's outside these walls, not just inside these walls. And I love that. And I know that God has called you to a certain place, to a certain position in faith in him. And so today, let's pray. The call is simply this, to discover who you are. Don't look at others. Don't look at, 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 at situations or circumstances. Don't look at people's finances or cars or anything like that. Because who you are is what God wants you to be. And the best opportunity for God to reveal himself through you is for you to be you. And for me to be me. And in doing so, we see God do amazing things. Amazing things. My personal story is one of discovery. It wasn't until about 10, maybe 12 years ago that I finally came to the conclusion of who I was. And I'm still discovering things about myself. I'm still growing. There's still plenty of opportunity to, to, to chip, chip on the, the, the rough spots and all those kinds of things. But I like what God is doing in my life. I like who he's made me. Is it okay to say I like me? But it, I don't say that in a prideful way. But I just say, you know, I'm, I just want to be who God made me to be. And I want you to be who God made you to be. That's the most comfortable spot you'll find in life is to do and to be who God made you to be. Let's pray. God, I believe that there are there are people in this room that feel the tension to be somebody other than who they are. And Lord, we look at our faults and we look at our, our, all the things that we see wrong with us and we see other people that don't, seemingly don't have those things and we want to be like them. But Lord, I pray right now that you just help us to be the best us that we can be. I pray for every person that has a self-image that says, I'm not enough. I just, I, I want to be like somebody else. Lord, I pray that right now you would help them to know that you've designed them uniquely to be who they are. Maybe they're the quiet person, but it seems like that loud person gets all the attention. Lord, I pray that you just help them to be okay with the kind of person you've developed them to be. Maybe they're the loud person and they want to be quiet. Lord, Maybe that's the prayer of their spouse, to just quiet them down. But Lord, I pray that you just help them to be who you want them to be. Who you've designed them to be. Who you've created them to be. For Lord, you will be glorified as soon as we allow ourselves to be who you made us to be. And I thank you for that. Lord, I pray for that, that uh, person who's just been bullied and put down and and discouraged about who they are, or how they look, or whatever the case may be, I pray that you lift them up today. Be the lifter of their head. Be the strength and encouragement of their lives. Lord, help us to never compare ourselves with anybody but you and to desire to do whatever you want us to do and be whoever you want us to be. Father, I pray right now for that person that's struggling with identity. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you bless and touch and minister to that person. Hallelujah. God, you're doing something special right now. You're doing something meaningful right now. 
Lord, that is touching and transforming a heart, a mind. And Lord, I know that you're going to do something amazing. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Have your way right now. Have your way. For those of you struggling with this idea, the first thing you have to do is yield. You have to give up. You have to say, I surrender, God. I'll be who you want me to be. And he'll begin to reveal that to you. He'll begin to show you the gifts that he's given you. He'll, be, he'll begin to show you the experiences that you can use. He'll, be, he'll begin to shape your heart. He'll begin to, to put in your, in your heart the passions that you have for, for the world and for the people around you. As we walk our community, we're going to have those passions grow and we're going to see needs that only our eyes can see because of who we are. God, right now, speak to your church and encourage them to be who they are. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you, God, for the moving of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the power of your Spirit to transform our lives. Thank you for your word that goes right to the heart. And I pray that this message that Paul shared with the Corinthians would speak to us today, that we would not join the wannabe syndrome, the, the, the comparison that kills, but we would be who you want us to be, full of life and joy and energy. Maybe you're here today and you haven't yet accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He loves you just the way you are. He loves you. And he cares about you. And he died for you on a cross so that your sins could be forgiven. He rose again the third day so that, you could have, so that we could have eternal life. And today is your opportunity to accept him. If you're online or you're here on site, I just encourage you right now to pray this very short prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. And I accept that forgiveness based on the work you did on the cross. And Lord, I believe that you were raised from the dead, that now today you live eternally and for that reason I have the hope of eternal life and I accept that and I accept my place into the body and family of God and I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey and I hope the message made a big difference in your life and if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.